Welcome to the podcast of Rogue Valley Christian Church. We hope to be a place that connects you to Jesus, encourages you to grow in your faith, and challenges you to serve the world. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to week two of the series that we're doing in February called A Season of Love. Last week we began by jumping into the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 13, and we looked at the first couple verses. This week, we're just going to continue in that journey by anchoring ourselves in 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. We'll jump around to a couple other places, but that's where we're going to camp out for this week. So, it reads like this. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast It isn't arrogant or rude. It doesn't insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. I'll never forget, uh, I was in high school a couple years ago, and... Me and my buddies, really, we had planned all week to go downtown to see the new Avengers movie that had come out. And we we were also leaders in our youth group. And we knew that on Friday nights, typically, that whenever the opportunity presented itself, we would partner with a local homeless shelter uh, to offer food and meals and just to listen to people. But on this Friday night... We had decided to not go because they were well-staffed. We had touched base with our youth pastor at the time. And we were like, okay, so we have the freedom to go and spend a Friday evening the way we would prefer. Well, as we are walking up to the theater, my friend's phone rings. And sure enough, it's our youth pastor saying, hey, we've lost a couple people and we need you guys to come in if you can make it. And so at that point, me and my friends were faced with a decision of, are we going to go to the homeless shelter and be examples to some of the younger students and also help out in a very practical way, or are we going to continue on with our plans to go see this movie? So on a Friday night, I and my two friends found ourselves sitting on really uncomfortable benches in front of men that didn't smell great in a dimly lit room with something that I suppose was supposed to resemble mashed potatoes uh, and just having a conversation with this guy for hours. And I think that if Paul is getting at anything in these verses, it's something like that. Paul is telling us what it looks like to become a person of love. This is what love looks like in action. One commentator called love the circulatory system of the body of Christ. In other words, more than anything else, love is the center from which everything flows in our life, for better or for worse. And we have all sorts of words for love. Like, I can say that I love a cheeseburger, or I can say that I really love this friend that I have. So... Love can be difficult to define, but it's not difficult to see. And it's interesting, even in these verses, Paul doesn't even attempt to define love necessarily. 
but instead he pictures love in action. He says, this is what love does, and then this is what love doesn't do. We know historically that love was pretty absent in the Corinthian church, which is probably why Paul writes so extensively about it in this letter. So let's break it down verse by verse. 1 Corinthians 13, 4, Paul says that love is patient and love is kind. Now in his letter to the Galatians, Paul has says, Paul said that patience and kindness like love are fruits of the Spirit. He says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. And it's interesting because Paul invites us at the jump both into a response and an action. Patience is a response that we have while kindness is how we move toward whatever the situation is. Going on in verses, the last half of verse 4 and then in 5, Paul gives two positive expressions of love, but also marks seven ways that love doesn't express itself. And I think broadly put, what I think Paul is driving at for the church in Corinth and for you and for me today is this. That love does not deal with people in a way that questions or injures their dignity and worth. Love is able to absorb offenses, insults, inconveniences on behalf of the beloved, on behalf of the person that we care about. I can't think of a more beautiful model than Jesus himself while he's hanging on a tree with nails in his wrists and his feet, and through swollen eyes, he's looking out at all of these people that are dividing up his clothes and spitting on him and mocking him. And the thing that he says is, Father, forgive them, because they do not know what they're doing. Paul goes on in verse 6 to say that love does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. And another way to translate that word wrongdoing is the word injustice. And this means that love, true love, when it's personified and acted upon, cannot help but rise against injustice, whether that's political or economic or racial or social. We need to be the type of people, as Paul says even in Ephesians 4, that speak the truth in love. So everything has to be motivated by love. It doesn't do us any good to walk in and start flipping over tables and pointing fingers at people if it's not motivated by love. It has to be motivated by love. And this may look like something as simple as not trying to win an argument over social media or doing something you know radical as going on a mission trip or serving on your day off at a nearby shelter. Going on in verse 7, Paul says that love bears, believes, hopes, and endures all things. And I think that this is where this passage can get hard for some of us because we, we long as human beings to be seen, safe, and secure in the presence of people that we love and who naturally 
by their relationship with us in proximity, say that they love us in return. But at the same time, I don't believe that you can be fully loved until you're fully known. And even with people that are close to us, that is terrifying. I've got examples in my life, and I'm sure that we all do, when someone who we thought was going to be there in whatever way let us down. When we took off the armor for just a minute and only, only to get stabbed in the back by that person. Or when you shared something vulnerable on a Sunday with your, a person in your community and then you get messages for the next few days about from people that weren't even in the conversation. We deeply desire unconditional love. But it can be hard to come by. And even on the active part of that, even when we're acting in selfless love, it can be difficult to conjure up, but, it's re but it is rewarding in the end. And there, there comes a time in every one of our lives, I believe, that when the love of God becomes most readily accessed when it's shared. So we receive, like we receive by giving away. 1 John 4, 10-12 says that this is real love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loves us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we know, if we love each other, God lives in us and love is brought to full expression in us. Paul is saying in, in 1 Corinthians 13 that this is what active love looks like. It looks like compassion. And if we want to be people of love, it has to go beyond mere sentiment. Now, love is more than sentimentality. Sentimentality is being moved to tears by your favorite TV show, while compassion is trying to figure out ways to healthily love your family and allow them to flourish. We need to both feel and become love. The Corinthian church had been deeply moved by the gospel, but as Paul wraps up his letter, he has to implore them and beg them to put feet to their feelings because real love is active. It's like a piece of fruit. So, if I when I bite in when you bite into a piece of fruit, it has the you get all these flavors and it has the ability to nourish you. But if you leave that same piece of fruit on your counter for a month, it'll be mushy and swarmed with flies and could actually make you sick. Something with the potential for life when unacted upon becomes rotten. Jesus instructs us in Matthew 5, says, Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. And I remember reading that in Bible college and going, Jesus, that is totally, that's a totally unrealistic expectation. And I think that's because our, our English language, when we think of the word perfect, we associate that with flawlessness of my ability in my own power 
to not mess up. However, in the Hebrew language, the word perfection is associated with compassion. So essentially what Jesus is saying is be compassionate as my heavenly father, as your heavenly father, is compassionate. I had a mentor ask me a question once, and he says, Dalton, what constitutes a well-lived day for you? What constitutes a well-lived day? day for you? Is it your work, your balanced mood, uh, people's perception of you? And you can fill in the blank for yourself. What constitutes a well-lived day for you? And I think according to our text, that it should be love. Love should be the thing that at the end of the day, when we lay our heads down, go, man, I really felt like I operated in a very loving way today. It should be how we listened and how present we were to those around us. It's, so it's less about the songs that we sing on Sunday and more about how we reacted to him or her when we were tired and irritated and had had a really long day. Brennan Manning once said that if I am not in touch with my own belovedness, I cannot touch the sacredness of others. And so as we receive the love of God for ourselves, we're, we're a more able channel to, to, um, to let that flow through us into the world around us. And even if you look at the ministry of Jesus, the ministry of Jesus didn't start with healings and multiplied lunches and raising the dead and walking on water but with receiving love. Eugene Peterson writes about Jesus. The story of Jesus is the story of a beloved who became a lover. Now you go do it. And I love that because I think if we are going to be a people who are fully motivated by love, we have to come to a greater realization that not only ourselves, but also everyone around us, from your spouse to your friend whose views on whatever subject infuriate you, that those people are sacred. From your neighbor to the homeless man to the person you pass every day on your commute, they're all sacred. The place where we live out our relationship of loving God is in our relationships with loving one another. And God's love actually enables us to share our lives with both people that we know as well as strangers. To forgive 70 times 7 the people who in, are closest in proximity to us and also offer a helping hand to someone we've possibly never met. And I think that if, if we as a church community and we as the people of God want the full expression of God's love to be on display in the world around us, we have to be willing to show love to everyone. Mature compassion moves beyond the walls of just the church or my comfort zone into the lives of other people who may think different or look different than I do. A great story of this from my own life that I will 
never forget is I was with a couple friends on a, on a Tuesday and we were having dinner at a restaurant and we were just catching up. I hadn't seen these people in a long time. And, uh, as we were, as we were walking out, uh, one of my friends was like, Hey, you guys wait here. I'll be back in a few minutes. And I was able to watch through the restaurant window as as I was standing outside, my friend go up to our waitress who all night had been frazzled and kind of rude and just, we could tell that she was just really stressed and not present. I watched as my friend in the middle of the restaurant prayed for this woman. And I watched the woman in response with coworkers coming around and people vying for her attention. I watched her break down in tears over somebody showing her kindness and wanting to pray for her. And that's a beautiful story. And it's, it's, it's been my experience growing up in a Christian home and around Christian people that by and large, we're really good at short missions of love, but we're not great all the time about living lives of love. You know, anybody can do a moment like that or do a four-day mission trip or do an outing on an evening to a homeless shelter. And that's beautiful, and we should do those things. But I think that has to expand and ripple out to how we live our everyday life. There has to be consistency. You know, it's, it's showing fidelity to that friend that has, you know ghosted you for the fourth time or rescheduled on you or trying to not come back at your kids who you've told for the hundredth time not to do that thing. You know, I for me, I can be an open faucet on Sunday morning, but do I live the ordinary moments of my life in love? So in conclusion, uh, a question that I would love for you to take with you this week is how might Jesus be inviting you to love like he loves? Where in your life and in your context do you see that love is lacking? And where, by keeping in step with the Spirit, can you step into that moment? I would say that the reason that the early church had so much power, whether it was prophecy or miracles or deliverance or all of the things that we see in the book of Acts, was because they imitated first the love of Jesus to each other and to the world around them. They had to work through conflicts and became acquainted with each other's shortcomings all while having to stay in the same room. But they were able to give their lives away. They went out in love and demonstrated the power of God. So here, me and my two friends are walking home past the movie theater from this homeless shelter and as the wind cuts through our jackets and we round the corner to our cars we all agreed that there was no other way that we would have uh, wanted to have spent our evening that night and so I hope that this encourages you as well this week to go out and again be a person of love be a person of compassion because love at the end of the day is what it's all about. It's about what the Christian life is about. And so thank you guys for tuning in and we'll, uh, we'll see you next week. 
Thank you for listening. For more information about Rogue Valley Christian Church, please visit our website at www.rvchristian.com.